Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 142. May the 4th be with you. Recorded May the 4th, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP Com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that is not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. We are coming at you on May the 4th, 2014, and that's just the geeky excuse to watch all the Star Wars movies in a row. May the 4th. And again. You. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is why I will never do it on May 4th. Oh, there you go. You got to be the uh, the anti-hero. Uh, and of well, course, I watch them because I enjoy them, not because society tells me I must. <laughs> Those those voices you are hearing, that is the inimitable, inimitable, and also hard to pronounce, Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hey, Seth, how are things? Well, most things are well, except for the things not meant to be well. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, that stoicism, that, uh, what do they call that? Uh, there's a, there's a, a line for that, uh, a word for that kind of thing. Uh, gnomic, the sounding wise without actually saying anything. Uh, from that gnomic okay. greeting on to the uh, gnome master. I tried. I tried. It didn't work. No. The command line godfather, Mr. Chris Neves. Hey, Chris, how, how are things? And things are good today. So if today's May the 4th be with you, does that mean tomorrow is Revenge of the Sith? Re- Re- or fifth? Revenge of the Fifth, yes. <laughs> uh, no, tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. Uh, is, you, get to, you get to drink all day. Which is also known oh. as Montezuma's Revenge. And so actually May the 6th would be Revenge of the, Revenge of the Fifth, being the fifth of tequila you drink. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, my name is Mark, sometimes referred to as the Sultan of the Soapbox. Welcome to this train wreck of a show. I wish I could say that was unusual. It's not. We but wreck the train every week. You know what? And we like it that way. Um, <laughs> if you wanted professionalism, you'd listen to another show. Well, most of the time we're professional. Yes. No, wait. I can't even say that with a no. straight face. Yeah, Sorry, come guys. on. <laughs> professional? So a friend of mine we're just having fun. is big into the Opie and Anthony show. I don't know if either of you guys ever listen to Opie and Anthony. I, I'm... I have not outside of the context of my friend, like when we're caught, we work together. So every now and then we carpool and he'll pop on an Opie and Anthony podcast and their shows seem to be about three and a half hours of this shtick. That's, it's just a couple of guys, three or four guys. And the Howard Stern show is really the same thing too. They just talk about whatever. There was this one show. Uh, it was a compilation show. It was about two hours of all the, the crap stories, not stories that weren't any good, but the stories about taking a dump that they had told over the years. And it was, it was the poop show, but they didn't use the word poop. They used the word that was alliterative with the word show. Um, Did they uh, mention the poop app for Android? I don't know. The poop log <laughs> app. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, it, I just think that's interesting that uh, we have hit upon a niche accidentally that, uh, that apparently people are making money from. So maybe we should huh. do less Linux and more poop. Um, no, no please, I don't want to no. do that. We'd lose our sponsor if we did that. I think they would have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can tell that tonight is not going to be a good night to read the chat room. Uh, because <laughs> there, there's a whole discussion going on there that uh, that will derail me if I even try to read it. So, hello, chat room. Glad you're here with us. I'll be ignoring you for the rest of the evening. Um, so, just a little uh, bit of a programming note. Next week, we have, uh, Seth, do we know exactly who it is yet? Uh, yes. And if I pull up his email, I can f- hold on. Yes, I, we do. Does that help? Would you like to tell us? 
Well, no, it's on. a secret. I've got too many windows open here, and we, we, I don't have a mouse, so I'm doing this with my trackpad. <laughs> so my speed is uh, Robert J. Don D O H N E R T. I'm going to have to ask him how to pronounce that. Right, and he is what with who? He is with Black Lab Linux. Um, basically, I responded to their like contact us thing, and he's the guy that responded back. So we don't so, know if he's the developer or the community manager. We don't we don't know his title, right? But he is with Black Lab Linux, and you know that'll be that'll be a couple of the questions we ask him is like, who exactly are you? Uh, and maybe exactly like that. I don't yes. know, but uh, yeah, and he's going to be with us for the whole show. Um, I don't know why he must like pain. Uh, he but, clearly uh, hasn't listened to a show. <laughs> yeah, or at least hadn't before he agreed to that. So, uh, but yeah, he will this be here. Be fun. Uh, so we'll be talking some Black Lab, Black Lab Linux. Um, if y'all are curious about Black Lab Linux and there's specific things you want to know, just let us know. And can't promise that everything you want to know will be in the interview, but we'll try to incorporate some of it. I'm going to butcher this name, uh, but Hussein Al Shahi in the chat room says, "Is this a show about Linux?" And the response was, "Sometimes." Only sometimes. That no, was... it's life in the context of <laughs> there Linux. There you go. It's a show where about guys who like Linux. Um, but uh, so okay, so we look forward to Black Lab. I know nothing about Black Lab Linux. I've never heard of it. Don't know anything about it. Uh, so I will be the idiot in residence. Not that that's anything new. Um, uh, <laughs> next week, and uh, we'll be interested to hear about that. So uh, you guys have asked for more interviews, and uh, Seth has delivered. So. Uh, Often, uh, awesome, often, awesome. Uh, yeah, both, and I'm taking multiple computers with me when I go to LinuxCon. So, uh, you know, we might get two years worth of interviews out of uh, my trip there. That could so. be cool. Sweet, sweet. I like that idea. And we can do it the way uh, we did it with uh, uh, the uh, Salent so OS guy. He yeah. didn't speak English well, so he said he actually spoke English awesomely. Um, and so we, we sent him the questions ahead of time and then we created a show, an interview around him. So maybe we could do the same thing. We'll, we'll have a a list of questions for you to ask people. You'll get their recorded answers and then we'll fake a show around them. Yeah, that would work. So did either either of you guys do anything Star Wars related today on Um, May the 4th? On May the 4th? No. I don't think anybody actually does. It's except on television. I told, or my son asked to watch his, you know, Star Wars cartoon, the Clone Wars go. series. So does that count? Sure. I, I saw some Star Wars themed memes on Facebook. Does that count? <laughs> I can't do it today. But well, uh, yeah, I can't at all. Uh, because my collection of Star Wars movies bit the dust along with the drive that contains them. Um, oh, no. I, my, I had a one, a one terabyte drive. That uh, it went from, huh, that's making a weird sound, to click of death to gone in a couple of hours. I mean, I first heard it making a weird noise, so that I need to look into that. And then a couple hours later, it was gone. And there's nothing I can do about it. Now, I'm not too mad about it. It's been running 24-7 for six years. So it's it's a little hard to be too mad about it. Uh, But all my media is gone. Um, now I have all those things back on the original, the, the, uh, I'm old school, the star Wars ones I had on VHS and I had converted Ooh. those. Um, Ouch. so, and I don't even have a VCR anymore. Who does? 
Uh, so I'm going to have to find some alternative solution. <clears throat> I have me. a VCR. Um, for... Does that make me bad? <laughs> Actually, I think I have three of them. Um, that's funny. I, we're gone. They're, all of ours are gone. Uh, the last one stopped working, and we were like, yeah, whatever. So we but still have like a, a big... I'm, doing my hands because it's an audio podcast and people can see it a big box of uh dvd uh, videos from when we moved that's uh, that i don't know that we'll ever be able to watch those again i mean where could i buy a dvd if a uh, vcr if i wanted to uh ebay maybe amazon probably amazon sells well, everything let's go look amazon.com from elementopia.com slash amazon so let's see if uh there's vcrs over at amazon really quick using our affiliate link Hmm. Yep. No, don't do that because if the percentage link is high, we get a bigger percentage. You just ruined it, Chris. You have to buy something now. <laughs> I I have 12 things in my cart that I have to buy tonight, so it's not going to hurt nothing. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> Target uh, has them for like uh, 35 bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, you can buy them. Anyway, so... My point being, but the uh, the demise of my technology continues, and we have a uh, we have some feedback about that in the show that I'll read in a little bit. But uh, um, it's been a hard week, a hard couple of weeks, uh, months for me. It's uh, it's been rough. Um, oh, and if you send me your drive, I have a spare system. I can see if Spinrite can recover it. I, I I don't think I don't think that's the case. It it's not even there. I mean, BIOS doesn't see it as a drive. So oh, it, yeah. I, I think it's just physically gone. Yeah, that's okay. the. Con- I would guess the controller panel, the little controller module, burned up on it. That I think it's more likely one of the uh, um, servos died, and the and the little needle oh. won't move. It still still spins, but you don't ever hear you don't hear the the arm moving. I think it's just gone. But hmm. anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, not not a not a tragedy, just an annoyance. I'm gonna have to go back. And so I had this Facebook thread going because uh, I commented on Facebook, and people were saying, "Well, why didn't you have that backed up?" Well, because the stupid U.S. copyright laws only allow you to make one legal backup copy of of media you purchased. So that was the backup, and I can't back up my backups. That's illegal. And I try to be as much as possible a law abiding fellow. Uh, so I just didn't. I, all I have, all the only choice I have is to go back and uh, re rip them all. And um, on a, a few days system. of your life going away. Yeah, it'll take uh, it'll take a month or so probably to go. Th- and and here's the thing: it's really tempting for me to just go out to the pirate bay, get a queue of torrents, set them to download overnight, and be done. I bought the media. I own the movies. Why shouldn't I do that? Well, because technically that's illegal. Yeah, and, I would say and, technically you know, you'll get the uh, the your hand slapped and. Hopefully you don't breach your six strikes or your out rule. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just uh, it's just the way things are going, and and I want to. I also wanted to let people know uh, I was wrong. I know that uh, that's hard for you to believe. Uh, sometimes your benevolent dictator does get things wrong. I fell victim to a common urban myth. Um, and the internet set me right. There's one thing the internet is good about, and that's letting you know when you're wrong. Glass is not a slow-moving liquid, as I said last week. Um, it, that's one of those things where the uh, the evidence backs you up, but the math doesn't. So several different listeners sent me links to how that is totally not true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what it appears to be is there's an- anecdotal evidence. Uh, you can look at old, uh, windows where that are thicker at the bottom than they are at the top. And what I referenced was you can see wavy lines and the, so the, the obvious conclusion to draw there is that the glass is moving over time, but really it's probably more flaws in their manufacture process early on. Uh, but somebody did some math on what it would take for glass to move and it was something like more time than the universe has known to have existed for it to move one atom's width so Mm. the math does not bear out the myth so i'm correcting that heaven forbid i um, be a perpetuator of a myth glass is not a slow moving liquid it is a solid golly Uh, mark next thing you're gonna say something crazy like the earth isn't flat I know. Now let's let's watch the heresy there. The Holy Roman Church could burn us for that. Careful. careful. I mean, that's that's like saying that the the sun revolves around the Earth instead of the Earth revolving around the sun. You know, you got to watch out for stuff like that. <laughs> okay, so that's I'm done now. You guys go. Seth ran a race again. No, I am actually. I I have two five Ks coming up this week. One on Thursday and then one on Saturday where I am going to be gunning for a personal best time. So. Ah, well, good, good for you, Seth. I hope you, uh, make it through and don't have the horrible feet that I've seen some runners get after, you know, long, long marathons. Well, well uh, I don't call a 5k a marathon, but I just went and bought, spent $110 on a pair of running shoes. So oh, I'm should. becoming that person that I, I make fun of. So it's yet another reason I have to make fun of myself and more proof. My trainer's trying to kill me. Uh, I don't know if you can, it doesn't show up real well on the screen and this is doing great for you people listening. But now I have, uh, I have carpet burns on my elbows where my trainer made me do planks on carpet. Um, ah. so yeah, he's, he's trying to kill me one day at a time. Yeah. But if you're doing a plank, your elbows shouldn't be on the carpet. No, because yes, you're should. on your toes and your forearms. So. Yep. Um, and so, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like right up my elbow yeah, thing. Okay. I just said elbow for general body reference. That's how I didn't even know what a plank was. I thought plank was like a, a, a held push up. Nope. Well, it, it, it kind of is, but instead of being on your hands, you're like on your forearms and then, you know, your back is straight. And I did one for a minute. I can't believe I held plank <laughs> for a minute. And those of you people out there going, you held plank for a minute. So what? I held plank with over a, over a six of a ton for a minute so yeah. that's that's something it's all about uh um your point of view and your reference yep yeah. um you know i i had a, a mild uh celebration when i sat in a chair i had lost enough weight that there was a chair i couldn't sit in and then i did and it was a big deal to me so yeah anyway so mighty python's final show will be broadcast to theaters around the world. Wow. Yes, on July 20th, the five remaining members of Monty Python, it's called The Last Night of Monty Python, subtitled Until We Need More Money and Do This Again Later On, uh, will be streamed live to 1,500 theaters around the world. So I am uh, I'm looking, I, I want to find a theater and I want to go. So uh, I think it'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that's almost sad. I mean, if if it is the last show ever, I'm, that makes me sad to say. But it's cool that they've been around for so long. 
yeah, I, I mean, really three, enjoyed Monty we're, Python. We're too young to know Monty Python, really. They've just been around that long. Yeah. So. I, I own the complete DVD set of uh, <laughs> Monty Python and the Flying Circus. Um, <laughs> it, that's one of my treasured possessions. So you will not still. And the first DVD I ever purchased for myself was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So uh, that one is still among my top five favorite movies ever. Especially, you know, the bonus features and watching it in Lego. They, they are the ones who started <laughs> Lego. Uh, nice. Awesome. Um, and okay. Thoughts on online games. Chris, what's that about? Yeah, that's for me. Um, I've been playing a game just recently called Warframe and it's an online free to play game. But what it comes down to, um, I've been playing it now for about a week and yeah, it's free to play. You can play as much as you want. Without any interruptions, you know, there's no banner saying to pay up for anything. But to get anything but good, you have to pay for it? You have to pay for it. Yeah. And it's there. It's fairly expensive to pay for any of it. So now the question I always raise, is this a good model? I mean, yeah, I get your game out there, but really pay to win? I mean, I, like, right now I'm, I can't even finish one of the, a couple of the, of the objectives on a couple of different of the maps because I don't have enough um, either offensive attack power or defensive staying power to finish the round. So well, it's, what, what's that game? See, I'm such I'm so not Candy a Crush. No, that's not the one. What's the game where you mine gold? What which one is that? Warcraft Minecraft? or Minecraft. Mine, not, no, War, no Warcraft. World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Okay. That's the one. So you can you can mine gold for tedious hours doing nothing to get stuff, to get special powers, to do things, or you can buy the gold. And so there's a whole, this whole uh, market created Mm -hmm. around selling uh, Warcraft items and and that sort of thing. So obviously the model works. Is it a good model? You know, I don't know. Candy Crush is another example. You can play so far and then you can have to wait 24 hours unless you want to pay. Well, let's see, like this one, there is no way to get the pay credits. So, like, if you wanted to grind out missions in order to, to save up to buy the thing, you can. Uh, but right. in this game, you can't. It's only a pay model. Oh, so you, there's no, there is no mechanism to get there from here without not putting money I've, into not it. Not that I've been able to find. Um, like I said, I've only been playing for about a week now, so maybe I just haven't found that one level that gives you, if you constantly grind it out, you can get the pay credits, but. You know, it's a fun game. I love playing it, but I don't know. This is one of those times where it's like, if it would have been one of those things where you pay $60 to get a AAA game and everything's open for you right away, or this free-to-play model, I would choose the $60 model. I would rather pay the 60 bucks, have access to all of the weapons and all of the shields and all of the blah, 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 and then, or, you know, hell, I'd even pay $80 for that. But, but you see, they'll charge you a dollar here, a dollar there, and before well, you realize it, you've spent a hundred dollars, and so they come out ahead with yeah. the uh, freemium model because most people lack the self control to say, "I'm done." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, that's my point. and you have to look at for every guy like you, Chris. There's ten guys like me. I'm not going to pay eighty dollars for a game ever. Just not going to do it. Um, so the only way they're going to get me in their ecosystem at all is to make it free. So then maybe I get hooked and then maybe I pay a few bucks here and there. Um, 
I but guess. the sticker shock for for the hardcore gamer the that's okay you guys are used to paying 50 60 70 dollars a game it's not a big deal the casual gamer that that is just that might as well be a billion dollars they're not going to yeah. do it i guess you know for for me when it comes to my cuz like my only real, you know my i don't go watch movies all the time um, I, I don't really have any other vice other than video gaming. You know, I don't drink, you know, I don't do anything else like that. So my only thing that I do is for, for, for entertainment is game. So for me, $80, which will last me for, oh, what was the last game I paid 80 bucks for $60 plus the downloadable content. It was about $87 by the time it was all done. Um, I've been playing that for almost a year. Yeah. So for 80 bucks for a year's worth of entertainment. That's a pretty cheap entry for me. Yeah, but it's not one I would ever do. Uh, so I, I think there's more people like me than there are like you. People who say, I already spent 500 bucks on my Xbox One. Why would I spend another $80 on this game? And then again, yeah. maybe, maybe I've got that totally backwards. Maybe the kind of person who will spend 500 bucks on an Xbox One is, is already in that and is just going to shuck out money. But I know. You know, I have a five, uh, uh, well, it's $300 phone. Um, and, you know, I shucked out $300 for the phone, but anytime an app comes up for 99 cents, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. That's a little steep. It, it's just the, it's weird. We're, people are weird like that. Um, yeah. so I guess I, I'm, I'm not in that, that eco as much as you are when it comes to tightwadness, I guess. For me, <laughs> if it's serving a purpose and it's worth, like for on my tablet, I've paid ten dollars for a couple of the apps that are on my tablet but they're apps that i've used every day and have made money on because i had those apps installed well you're making that uh, uh, uh teacher money up there at north that's that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah okay we all know that people who work in public education are just filthy rich i don't know and, you know and that's why i have a a, a secondary job out of my house right, right mark as most teachers do, actually. <laughs> Seth, you were saying? No, I was just gonna say I don't know how I don't know how many servants Chris has being uh, working <laughs> in the technology <laughs> sector for education up there. Yeah, yeah. I wish. Okay. Uh, okay, that's enough of our blathering. Let's listen to you guys yeah. blather, and we that that happens in the form of listener feedback. Uh, Guillaume. Uh, has some VoIP suggestions. He says, hello, Mark, for your Google Voice problem. Um, I suggest you take a look at VoIP.ms. Their website is horrible, but their product and pricing is good. It's supposed to work with the OB. Uh, and I think you, uh, I think it can do everything else you wanted regarding number transfers and spoofing also. Uh, you have to set up pretty much everything yourself so you can enjoy a lot of geeky evenings full of head scratching problems, solving, uh, problem solving and tweaking. Note also that you can try it and ask for a refund if you don't like it. Regards. Guillaume, I have looked at VoIP.ms uh, and it's probably the one I will go with. The only thing I don't like about it is it's a pay per minute model. It's cheap. It's a penny a minute or even less. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's cheap, but I, I like things to be predictable and I don't want my kid to, to run up a, you know, a $75 phone bill, which she could easily do. Um, so that, that's my only, my only issue uh, about that. I would rather have a flat rate plan. That's the only reason I haven't already pulled the trigger on VoIP.ms. 
Um, mm. Frank writes in on the same subject, and he's fond of Uma. Says, hi, Mark. Been listening for a while. Great show. In reference to your quest for cheap phone service, I use Uma. Uh, I've been using the service for three years now, and outside the occasional unexplained disconnect, I cannot complain. I purchased the device uh, uh, refurbished for $100 and spent 40 on the port of a previous number, and I've only paid $5 a month since. Uh, they say it's for taxes. The initial charge is a little steep, but after plugging it into my inside wiring, it's easy as pie for the wife and children. Hope this helps, Frank. If you do decide to sign up, maybe you could use a referral code. Uh, and I'll I'll put that uh, out there. It's capital B, capital U, capital C, 8159. Uh, so if anybody else wants to sign up for UMA, there's Frank's code. I don't know what it gets him, but hey, he, he, he uh, put that there, and I'm going to make it known. Uh, so Uma, again, uh, heard great things about it. I just, uh, am reluctant to buy yet another device when I have a perfectly good device. So, uh, these are the things I have to, to decide in the next two weeks because, uh, my support is going away in the two weeks. And realistically, I think what's going to happen is we're just not going to have a home phone. I think it's just going to go away because hmm. we just don't use it that often. Uh, oh yeah. If you're not using it that often, then I can understand it going away or using, or maybe training her how to use uh, the Google Voice through the internet line. Yeah. Which, right, you could always do that. You could make the call, and then Google Voice would call you back on your own OBI number. That's that's all doable. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I haven't made that decision yet. I just, I'm just surprised that the geeks haven't come up with a solution. Um, well, you could always set up your own, um, what's that called, a... Uh, uh, PBX, yeah, yeah. Open, open PBX. What, what is that called? Uh, good grief. Yeah, I can't. Just install an asterisk server. That's it. Asterisk. That's it. That's the one. Um, uh, and yeah, I thought I actually I've considered that, but again, you got to have the number in from somebody, and that's essentially what an OB high is. It's a a cheap, dumb PB uh, mm-hmm. asterisk box, but you got to get somebody to give you a dial tone, and. Uh, and, and I, I know I, somebody said last week I'm I'm asking for a lot. I am. I know I may not get it, but there's no harm in asking it for it. Okay, well, moving. It, you know, I think the only reason that we think that is a lot is because a lot of us are of the age where we remember how expensive and complex just the regular old phone system was. I mean, go back in time and just realize that you are walking around with a supremely powerful computer in the palm yeah. of your hand and you buy them as cheap throwaway toys for your kids. And that that's a computer that is mighty powerful in terms of historical processing power. Absolutely. So and, I it, don't think we're asking for a lot. It's just, they refuse to give it to us. It was a, uh, having a Skype conversation with a friend of mine in England while driving down the road at 70 miles an hour one day. And I just had one of those holy crap moments. It was like, what am I doing? I am yeah. speaking. I am for no cost. I am speaking via my 4G over Skype to somebody in six time zones away at 70 miles an hour across an ocean. Yes. Um, yeah. and complaining that the, 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 there was a couple of echoes here and there. <laughs> it's, uh, every now and then I have to step back and say, wow, look at where we are. And Seth, that's a, that's a good reminder. You know, like we, the, the astronauts who landed on the moon did so with less power, uh, less computing power that's in the average digital watch. So, uh, we've come a long, long way. That we have. Uh, yep. Okay. 
Uh, next, uh, G- Guillaume uh, writes in after that. He says, I just sent you a message, and I could verify my p- previous experience. Is it normal that there's a second capture after the Mark's clever ones? The second is a normal one with weird numbers and letters. I haven't seen that, so... Uh, audience, tell me, is the, is that happening? Because when I do it, I'm not seeing two captures. Is it something weird with him? Is there something I've got set up wrong? Let me know. Um, and Jim writes in, and it's it's uh pertinent. Uh, he writes in uh about keyboards. He says, "Thanks for the great shows. Here are a couple of thoughts from last week's show, number one forty one. I don't nor." Have I ever believed that the desktop is going away? I've always believed that technology evolves and what we know uh, as the desktop will be around in different forms doing different tasks. There are enough uses for different platforms that most will evolve more than go away. I think eventually that the market will tell most of the vendors, except Apple, what they want. It may already be happening with (laughs) Windows 8.1 Update 1. Last year, I purchased a tablet. I wanted something smaller than a laptop that I could record quick, short notes with minimal time spent. One of my concerns was typing on the screen. So I purchased an Asus model that would allow me to add a keyboard later if I wanted. I did so a week later, which also had the added feature of protecting the screen as well as the added battery capacity. This is what works for me. Once again, for my purchase, there was an option out there that fit what I needed. You might not have purchased this without that option being available. And why do I need a keyboard? As I'm typing this, I'm texting back and forth with my 14-year-old granddaughter who just got a phone for her birthday. I'm getting this done faster on the keyboard than I can text back to her on my Android phone. Sheesh, the things I put up with for grandchildren. And then he says, once again, having trouble with the CAPTCHA. So there's there's two people. Clearly, there's something wrong with my CAPTCHAs that I can't see. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe if somebody could, they could do a screen recording of it, so that way they could send it to you and you could see it. Right, that might help. Yeah, or that go like incognito help. mode, um, or I've done private that. browsing. Really, I've done that, and I don't see it. Um, maybe I well, need to, you know, tail some log files or something. I don't know. Something's something's going on that I don't see. Maybe a different hmm. browser. I'll I'll try it in a different browser because I pretty much only go to it in Firefox. Um, I might pull out the venerable uh, plague field, i.e., see what Ooh. happens. I d- I don't think anybody in our audience was using i.e. as they right. as they wrote to us. I might go Chrome, you know, just to we'll see. You know, try a couple of different things. See, because it'll tell us is it browser specific? Because maybe it's maybe it's some weird uh, plugin you have on your browsers. So Jim uh, is in agreement with me that the keyboard is still the best way to do things. Um, Amen. And, and I think we all on this show agree that that's the case. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's obviously somebody doesn't agree with that. And that somebody, those somebodies are the ones making the decisions. So, you know, maybe we're just, uh, we're the outliers. I, I, I was on a totally secondary note today um i was trying to uh run spin right on this disc trying to get it fixed and i have another cheap laptop that i was trying to run it on because i could uh pop the card out uh pop the back off and put the drive in easily it had a uefi uh bios well well that's that's like saying it had an apple orange it had a uefi system rather than a bios but it didn't have a legacy mode, so I couldn't even boot from USB uh, or or CD-ROM on that one. Huh. Uh, another thing I think is it's totally stupid, but as I understand it, it's becoming more the norm. Let's just ignore the fact 
that this is the way people still do things and and pretend that we can make them do the way we want them to do. Well, it's it's the tablet tabletification of the OS, you know, yeah. because nobody tinkers with their thing. Um you know, it's the tyranny <laughs> okay. of the default. Right. So short of short of reflashing the the system, I, I I don't even know what to say. It's not bio. Short of reflashing the uh the bootstrapping system, there's no way I'll ever be able to boot that laptop from either a USB or uh a CD ROM ISO. So there's Have no you, way in the BIOS to do a, a manual boot option? Nope, Where not you there. you pick it? Huh. I mean, you can do it. Like, you can pick it, but the the CD-ROM doesn't show up. The only thing that shows up is the hard drive. Crazy. Is there maybe an update for it? Yeah, you, again, I'm sure I could reflash the BIOS. That's what the update would have to be. That's the only way you update. Again, it's not a BIOS. Mm-hmm. What is it? Uh, is the onboard system. Firmware. Um, yeah, firmware. I, I could reflash the firmware, but that's you know that's something I might do. But that's not something eighty-seven percent of the people buying this laptop is going to do. Right, and uh, it came with Windows Eight Secure Boot, that whole thing. It was just a cheap two hundred and fifty dollars one I bought for the kids to to do their homework on. Um, right, and I remembered, oh yeah, I can pop the case off of that one really easily. I don't have to disassemble a whole thing, and I can put the drive in. I did that, and then I plugged in it didn't come with a cd-rom on it i plugged in an external cd-rom um and i couldn't i couldn't boot from it wasn't an option Hmm. Hmm. so it's it is that thing we're turning computers into toasters when was the last time anybody took apart a toaster you know you just it it gets uh, cluttered with crumbs and burns out you throw it away and buy another one because they're twelve dollars and that's what computers are becoming and i don't i don't like it but that's just the way it is. Yeah. I guess I'm still building most of my machines from scratch. Right. So, you know, you can't really do that with a story. laptop, though, or a tablet. No, right. A laptop and a tablet you can't do. But my desktop is still built from scratch, and I'll probably continue to build my desktops. And so, uh, as long as there's desktops, you know, if, <laughs> yeah. if they have their way, there'll be no more desktops. Um, yeah. Just a little stand to plug your tablet in. Um, or, you know, <laughs> plug your jack from the table to your brain, uh, cause we won't even need tablets anymore. Oh, I love that. I, I asked Chris to, to not let me skip over this next section. So he's highlighting it. He's rotating <laughs> through the colors, blinking at red, blue, and green and <laughs> yellow. Okay. I will see it. So last week, uh, one of our listeners named Addie wrote us an email, um, and we all responded to it. And I got a second email from Addie this week. I'm not going to read that one, uh, because it was rather personal in nature. I will simply say this. At no point did I intend for our response to him to be um, personal uh, in any way. I didn't intend it for it to be an attack. I'm not mad at him now. I wasn't mad at him then. As far as I know, I've never been mad at him. I apologize if I spoke in such a way that you found offensive. And I will simply leave it at that. I'll second that, Addy. It was not intention in, intentional if to make you feel like we singled you out. We were just stating our opinions. All right. And yeah, so, definitely. Me too. And these guys didn't, they didn't read the email. They don't know what I'm referring to. They're just, they don't want to be, it's okay if you're offensive personally. I don't mind intentionally being offensive. It's when I'm unintentionally offensive. That's a problem. I didn't yeah. mean to be. Uh, so I'm not going to say any more about that. 
my apologies if you uh, if you were personally injured. Uh, moving on, Rick comments on my continuing tech catastrophes. He says, Mark, last week you mentioned that you had a series of electronic failures. It would be worth getting the voltage levels in your place checked out. I had a similar problem a few years ago, costing me three TVs in a year. The first was old, the second was cheap and used, so no great surprise for either of those. When the third one died, it went to the TV doctor. Several capacitors had failed, and the tech said it indicated a drop in voltage, a brownout. Uh, The drop in voltage causes an increase in current to keep the wattage stable, burning out the components. You can have your power company put a 24-7 monitor on it, usually at no charge. If the problem is on their end, they'll fix it. As a temporary or additional fix, you should run any electronics that you value on a UPS. This keeps the system voltage steady, even if the supply of voltage fluctuates. Hope this helps. So, Rick, I read that. Um for uh for the audience because that's good advice uh mm-hmm. and somebody else might run into it none of that is appropriate to what my problems have been my problems have been i'm running on old cheap stuff uh and they've all just aged out um the the media the home theater pc died i took it apart uh after after the show um and the uh fan after running 24 7 for six years had sucked in so much dust that it fro i mean i blew i blow it out periodically but it just wasn't enough uh and finally enough it had uh, uh accumulated around the middle of it that it locked up the fan stopped working that caused the processor to overheat which in turn cooked the hard drive so uh that voltage is not going to fix that um and the other one was just a drive that had been running a long time um and so i don't i don't think that's a vo- again because it was a usb enclosure the PC is going to regulate the voltage going to that. So nothing significant is going to pass through the PC to that USB thing. Even if the PC is undervolted or overvolted, it would regulate that. Um, so again, good advice. I just don't think it applies to me. Yeah. Well, and the one thing that I, I never really ever thought of is to have the, mon- uh, the power company ever monitor my power. So that way I could eliminate that as a possible comp, a problem. Yeah. Um, I think I have a couple of clients I'm gonna have to call now and see if they're having issues and have them do that. Yeah, we had a an issue where I used to work a long time ago. Um, where we had stuff every time there was a storm of any kind, this particular um device, whatever was plugged into that area, would die, and it wouldn't be the the power side of it, but the Ethernet. It would blow the phone or the computer or the NIC or whatever. Um, and when we traced it back, we found out that years ago when the, when the, uh, copper had been run, they ran it, uh, over a plumbing line underground over a plumbing line. And apparently that was getting enough static or it was near some. And so we rerouted that and never had a problem. So there are things like that that can happen, you know, 15 years, 20 years earlier that can cause weird things to happen. Uh, so when you start seeing a pattern like that, Rick, Rick brings up good idea. Uh, mm-hmm. bring, brings up good idea. I suddenly became a, a non-English speaking person. Rick brings up a good idea for Trump. Rick sounded smart today. <laughs> <laughs> He's smart guy. Um, Andy offers a word of thing. Now this is really long and doesn't apply to this show or any of our people in any way, but I wanted to read it because I think more of this sort of stuff needs to happen. Uh, he says, I've been using Linux for just over a year, and after using both LMDE Cinnamon, 
uh, and Crunchbang for several months, um, I have settled on Peppermint OS 32-bit. It fits my needs perfectly and runs beautifully with my old Fujitsu notebook. I'm not putting down either LMDE or Crunchbang. Both are very fine distros. Uh, I put cr- I will put Crunchbang on another machine when I manage to find a more suitable candidate. I think that the thing that defines a distribution is the level and quality of support you receive. Based on this premise, the Peppermint Community Forum is an unsung hero in the Linux world. There's one reason that makes this so special, and he's called PC Netspeak, a.k.a. Mark Greaves. He's the one of the chief moderators, and he's quite frankly an incredible fountain of knowledge. Check out this link to the new forum, and I'll put that in the notes, and look at the solutions he provides and the way that they are provided. If you have a problem with your system or you don't understand something, you can rely on PC Netspec. Uh, he will answer your question in language that a complete noob will easily understand. He's more than willing to take time to walk you through a solution and test it with you. The man has almost infinite patience and obviously rarely sleeps. Hence his alternate handle PC no sleep. It doesn't matter what hardware you're running. He will come up with a solution in what appears to be the blink of an eye. As I said, he's incredible. It's really interesting just to have the forum open and watch questions come in and solutions go out. PC Netspec adheres to uh, Peppermint. Peppermint's philosophy of being user-friendly and fun. This is exactly what Peppermint OS delivers to its users. In the next few weeks, the new Peppermint OS 5 will be released. I, for one, hope that it's as good as its predecessor. It's in beta testing at the moment, and we've been dropped a few tantalizing teasers. The user forums are many times the first point of contact for the Linux noob. Being told sarcastically to read this and or that or point at a link just to get on with it is not help. This cavalier attitude just drives people away from Linux. I wanted to mention PC Netspec as he is the complete antithesis of this. He's an amazing asset to the Peppermint OS team. I think I can say with confidence that everyone who has ever received his help will agree how lucky we are as a community to have him around. Not enough praise is given to people like Mark, who selflessly give their time and share their vast knowledge with us. Very grateful Linux plebs. I suggest that everyone, irrespective of what distro you're using, uh, to publicly thank people like PC Netspec. Thank you, PC Netspec, a.k.a. Mark Greaves, for all the hard work and effort you have and continue to give to Peppermint OS and to the Linux community as a whole. You've made my transition to Linux very pleasant and very interesting. Keep up the good work, guys. I'm waiting with bated breath for the next trip into the alternative reality that is EDL. Breakfast on Wednesdays, Wednesdays consists of rich, dark, Friesian bread with pumpkin seeds, ham, aged light, and cheese, like Gouda, but with cumin seeds in it, a pot of good Dutch coffee, a grapefruit, and the EDL podcast. Now, that's what I call the breakfast of champions. Regards, Andy. And he didn't say regards. He said grotis, which I had to look up, and it's Danish for regards. So, there you go. Uh well, there all is, I can say is now we're going to have to go blackball PC Netspeak from the Linux community for being far too nice to everyone. Yes. <laughs> he's he's giving the neckbeards a bad name out there. Um, I, you know, one of my pet peeves isn't the right word. One of my greatest frustrations is when I'm searching for help on a forum and you get a guy either saying that the question is stupid or giving some true thing that isn't an answer to the question. Those two things really make me mad. If you don't have an answer to the question, don't respond to the forum. Leave it alone. But, you know, you'll have a guy say, I'm looking to run my LCD TV off of my uh, 
DVI port on my compact laptop. And some idiot would say, well, why would you want to do that? Use uh, HDMI. It's so much better. That wasn't the question. Stop doing crap like that. So when when uh, Addy, uh, Andy wrote in uh, with the, the praise of, of Mark Greaves, I totally wanted to read that because that's the kind of people we want our listeners to be. We, we're ho- we hope we are making that kind of listener in the world. Definitely. I do have to make a comment about how funny it is to see a forum where, like, the last posted for every line is this guy. It's, he's it's just, busy. He's a very, he must, that's, that must be all he does for the, for the team, um, is he is the community guy because there's no way. Well, I guess there, there could be a way, but that's an immense amount of work to take care of all of those users that way. Um, I'll, I'll tip my hat to him because I tried to be that guy, but you bring a whole new level when you're answering that many forum posts that, that in detail and that well. I think PC NetSpeak was the original title of Super Forum Dude, and there's actually a team of people who take turns logging in <laughs> under that name because nobody that could do be. all of that. That could be too. I know a couple of different place forums that have a administrator user that takes care of support like that. Um, it's possible, but it, from the ones I read, it's it, it's written the same way. So yeah. I would guess. It's well, you know, it's, it's kind of like Green Lantern in the DC universe. You know, there's been many different ones. The only thing is they have the ring. And so, you know, that you've inherited, you're the new PC net speak. Yeah. Go forth and shine the praises <laughs> of our community. I am not the Dread Pirate Roberts either. His name was Cumberbund and he's been retired and living in Patagonia for years. Um, but <laughs> Mark Greaves has just figured out how to cone himself. That's, that's the answer. That's Clearly, it, yeah. you guys are missing the boat. He probably did that with a custom Linux destroyer where he rolled. What happens if you plug Clonezilla into your mouth? It clones you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there we go. Oh, okay. Moving on to our next bit of listener feedback. Chad wants to know how's the pie. Hey, Mark, Seth, and Chris, I love listening to the podcast. I've listened to every episode, really love the whole Burping Seth episode, and eagerly await each new episode to be released. I'm like a kid at Christmas waiting to tear into the shiny wrapped package. I really love Seth's jabs at OS X10 and anything Apple-related for that matter. I also have to mention that I'm very jealous of Chris for the simple fact that he lives in what I consider to be one of the most beautiful and picturesque states in America. My wife and I Chad is smart. I just got to say, he sounds like an awesome dude. Sorry. (laughs) Back to the email, Mark. My wife and I honeymooned in Whitefish, Montana a few years ago, and we both fell in love with it. But I digress. On to the point of my writing. I just finished episode 141, and I'm very interested in when Mark said he was going to be trying his new hate... Use as his new home theater PC. I, too, have a Raspberry Pi that I'm wanting to use for my home theater PC, and I'm not sure about a few things. Is Mark planning on using RaspBMC or OpenELEC as the operating system of choice for the Pi? I've ripped a bunch of my Blu-rays to external hard drive, and I'm not quite sure what the best option is for accessing them on my Pi. I've thought about just installing a USB hub and connecting the external drives to it and then to my Pi, or I was thinking about building or buying a NAS and streaming it to the Pi. I plan on having a Pi for each TV in the house, so maybe the NAS idea would work better. Problem is, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to setting up a NAS or even know how to network stuff on my own network. 
Did that sound as confusing to you as it did to me? Anyway, I'm really looking forward to hearing Mark how Mark sets up his raspberry pie and any kind of tips, tricks, advice any of you guys could give that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for making such an awesome podcast. Keep up the great work. By the way, eat more bacon. It does a body good. Take care, guys. Chad. Nice. Um, and then I'm I'm before I answer that, I'm gonna read the next email from Steven, who likes his pie with a side of Roku. Says, hello, I've been listening to your shows for a while and now, and I love all Linux. Uh, no Linux and no bacon. Wait, <laughs> let me try that again. Been listening to your show for a while now, and I love it all. Linux, no Linux, bacon, no bacon. Your show simply kicks the llama's butt. Anyway, as the last episode, in the last episode, Mark mentioned that he was moving to the Raspberry Pi to replace his home theater PC. Awesome! I personally use a Roku, but I use a Raspberry Pi as my primary home server. I used to have a beefy desktop box with Ubuntu and a bunch of virtual servers. Now it's just the Pi and an internal self-powered hard drive. My suggestion is to use the mini DNLA on the second Pi you just ordered and let it serve out your media to the next uh, to the new XBMC-flavored Pi in the living room. One more thing, install Webman on all your Pi devices for easy access. You can even link them if you have more than one. You guys rock. Nothing better than a Linux podcast not about Linux with a couple of family-centric Christian dudes. So long, and thanks for all the fish. <sighs> okay, so I will talk about my experiences with the Pi. First off, let it be said, the Raspberry Pi is a little flaky. Okay, let's get that out of the way. Um... The f- I bought two uh, right out of the box. One of them was damaged. Oh. Uh, probably just a, a a capacitor or an undervolted resistor or something like that. Anytime I did a soft or hard reboot, it would freeze and do a kernel panic. And you'd get uh, on the uh, um, RASP BMC, which I'm using to answer that question, uh, you'd get a, a, a graphical rainbow test pattern and it would freeze there. I figured out over time, if you unplug it for a while and leave it for like a couple of hours, it would come back. And it would be fine until you tried to reboot it. Even if you did a standard, um, everyday, normal uh, shutdown with everything performing normally, it still would hang up. If you did a a, a reboot, it would hang up. If you did a hard pull the plug, it would hang up. Leave it six, seven hours or overnight, it would come back. Uh, And it would work fine. Until you reboot. So clearly there's something in the boot cycle. There's something that's not right. Um, I returned that pie, got another one. Thank you, Amazon Prime, for being as awesome as you are. Um, and uh, and so I had the second one to back it up. Um, I got I bought RASBMC uh, on a pre-programmed SD card. You can get those for like nine bucks. I figured it was totally worth it for me not to have to do it. I, I, what I bought was uh, from the, it was a kit. Uh, you can find it on elementopcom slash Amazon. And it comes with the pie. It comes with a case. It comes with the SD card. comes with the power supply. Um, comes The case is two pieces. You drop the board in it. You pop the top on the case. You plug in the uh, SD card. You're done. The SD card comes with, I think it was seven different distros loaded on it. Um, and if you wanted more, it had scripts to download it. So that was pretty awesome. Um, the, the one downstairs is plugged into ethernet, um, uh, hundred meg, uh, ethernet, maybe gigabit. I'm not sure. I, I think, yeah, I'm, I don't remember. Uh, anyway, so, uh, there were no drivers, no, no issues to deal with there. I just plugged in and it worked. It was beautiful. Uh, because I use RASP BMC, the XBMC thing popped up. I plugged in my external hard drives 
added the source. Anybody who's used XBMC knows how to do that. You go to the menu, you add source, uh, and it started cataloging them all. Probably what killed my drive, actually. Scanning all those things and downloading cover art and all of that is pretty drive intensive. Um, it was beautiful. It worked awesome. Um, uh, the uh, scrolling, getting around in the pie on my 1080p uh, display is a little cumbersome. Um, b- before on my uh, PC, my Ion uh, processor, I could just and scan through. This one, it's click, 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 click. And when you're going through 300 movies, it can take you a while to get to the bottom. Um, that's a little annoying. That's really the only bad thing I have to say about the performance of it. Once you're in, everything's hard-coded, right? So I, I pick an MP4. The uh, the integrated chip kicks in. It's all happening hardware level. It's smooth. It's fluid. It's butter. So then I went into the settings on the on the RASP BMC settings, and I turned on uh, UPnP uh, sharing. Don't get scared. It's only internal. I have UPnP turned off on my firewall. I went upstairs. I hooked up the second Pi. I bought a little um, Edimax was the name, uh, uh, Wi-Fi nub, plugged into that one. Uh, and I chose that brand because it's got kernel support built into Rasp BMC. Plugged that thing in, told it to search for UNP, UPnP sources. It found it, said load that library. Boom. Now all my stuff is on that one. Plays like butter. Streams without any problems at all. I can I can have one pie downstairs watching a movie and the other pie upstairs watching a different movie. I haven't tried the same movie. Uh, watching a different movie and no stuttering, no buffering. Beautiful. It's awesome. Cool. Um, I start it at one place, pause it, go downstairs. It remembers where I was and asks me to resume at the same location. Pretty darn amazing. Cool. Uh, all with almost zero configuration. Uh, almost no setup. Uh, also, just out of curiosity, I put some stuff on a Samba uh, on a on a Windows share on one of my other computers. Accessed it with the built-in Samba um, installation. Fine, it found them. It loaded them to the to the uh, the uh, library, streams them without any issues. I, I just regu- have regular. Um, I think it's eight hundred two dot eleven n, but it would probably work fine over G. It doesn't take that much, uh, so. And it just—I was so amazed at how how well it worked. Um, other than the few little flaky things, like the initial the initial setup process on my TV downstairs, several of the dialog boxes would pop up off the screen. I would see like the bottom left corner of it, and I would just have to guess that it was wanting me to hit enter. Um, so just little things like that. But once it's up and running, once you get past the initial flakiness of just installing something on a Pi. I've been just blown away by it. In fact, the uh, the upscaling and the um, video performance is better than on the PC that I had it on. Wow. The uh, The Intel uh, Ion chipset. Uh, this is better. Um, again, the performance is a little wonky. Um, just a little. It's just enough to be annoying, though. Um, but if you have a smaller library than I do, it probably won't be an issue. Interestingly, upstairs... Um, that TV is only capable of uh, 1080i resolution, 1080p. Maybe that's it. Um, it scrolls through much faster. So it's something specific. And I swapped the boxes to see if that was it. And the performance stayed with the TV. 
So it has something to do with the display. Maybe the Pi is actually scrolling a lot faster, but the TV for some reason can't update. I, I don't know. Um, that's just my experience with it. Um, um, do you have an option to turn your 1080p to 1080i just to see? I did. I did that in the the TV auto senses. I did that in the Pi. I went all the way down to 720, uh, and it didn't make a significant dif- difference. So it's not a resolution thing. It's something specific to maybe it's a bad cable. I don't know. Um, it's not annoying enough that I've really dived into it. Um, I also bought a little, I wish I had the brand name in front of me, uh, wireless keyboard and mouse integrated. I didn't realize it was four inches square. I thought it was a full size one when I bought it. But <laughs> but when it came, I was actually quite pleased with that. It's a little thumb board. Uh, it comes with a little, uh, it's not Bluetooth. It's uh, it's wi- it's uh, 2.4 gigahertz FM. So I plug that USB dongle in and I've got a full keyboard and mouse. And frankly, I liked it so much. I bought another one for the, for mm. upstairs uh, as well. So that's, uh, I recommend getting that. It's 14 bucks on Amazon. Um, that's not bad. Uh, for upstairs, I didn't have a remote sensor. Uh, I for downstairs, I had one that I bought years ago. I, I bought again. It's like four bucks on Amazon. Um, it's called China Vision, um, and it's it's a remote that comes with just a US uh, an infrared USB sensor. Throw the remote away. Program my Logitech Harmony remote, um, and now I can control the whole thing with the uh, with the remote. With one exception, the to get into the context menu of anything, like if you want to update a movie or update the library or whatever, you have to hit the C key on the keyboard. Um, and my mouse can't emulate a C key. So I have to go pull out that little keyboard just to hit C mm-hmm. and do what I need to do. Uh, that's, you know, maybe if I got a smarter device than the little China Vision one, I would be able to emulate a C, or maybe if I go in and write some custom key map settings, I'll I'll be able to do that. But just out of the box, uh, it the you can't interact with it fully using only the mouse. You have to have keyboard stuff. Uh, so if your if your infrared sensor only emulates a mouse, you're going to have to grab a keyboard or fire up the built-in VNC server in RASBMC and and uh, attach to it on your laptop, which which I have done. Uh, right. So those are my experiences with the Pi. I'm still, I've only had it a few days. Um, I've, I've, I think I got it Wednesday of this week. Today is Sunday. So I've had four days, you know, to play with it. And, um, unfortunately, a lot of that has been taken up with the fact that that's when my hard drive chose to die and I've been re ripping media. But, uh, it's, I'm just, I'm blown away by how smooth it is. It is so good and so simple. It really is grandma approved. Um, cool. You, now you have to know what UPnP is. Some of the language is still geeky, but the, the navigating the menus, the, the clicking the button to turn it on is all super easy. If they would just straighten their language out a little and make it a little more grandma approved, I really think that would be something like the Roku that you could just throw in anybody's uh, box. So, uh, to answer your question, Chad, uh, yeah, throw those things on a USB hub. Get a powered USB hub because the Pi itself uh, can only take a little phone power, and you know it uses a full amp um, to do its thing. So if you try to hang a couple of hard drives on there that want 500 milliamps themselves, uh, or, uh, then um, you're not gonna you're not gonna have enough power to do that. So I bought a powered hub for six bucks 
Um, and I've got all my hard drives plugged into that, and it works beautifully. Hmm. So there's my Pi experience. Well, that's a pretty good experience, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah better like than I expected, frankly. I, I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Um, and it's, so including the Wi-Fi dongle and the, uh, the kit with the case and everything was, I think, $60. Then I threw in the Wi-Fi dongle plus the keyboard. That's another, uh, 30. And if you want the, the sensor too, that's another, uh, we'll call it 10. Um, so for a hundred bucks, you can th- throw a media center in every room of your house. Now, hmm. so people would point out a Roku is 40. And maybe the Roku can do all of that stuff too. I don't know. I wanted to try the pie. Uh, so I, I would, I only have two TVs in the house, but when or if I buy another TV, I'll buy another pie to go with it. It's yeah. just that good. Cool. Yeah. It's awesome to hear you that it works so well for you, Mark. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, so maybe we need to have some of those guys on and talk about that stuff. Yeah. I can't uh, hurt. Okay, we have one more bit of listener feedback um, <laughs> as we hit the one-hour mark of the show. Uh, Merrick, I'm going to say that's how he pronounces it, offers a bit of Polish pedantry. Uh, he says, if I was not Polish, I would not complain. But I am, so here goes. The official way to pronounce MySQL is MySQL, not MySQL. But we don't mind if you pronounce it as my sequel or in some other localized way. These are the last two lines of the uh, what is my sequel document. Uh, I've checked that page a year or so ago, and I don't remember the we don't mind part. Uh, I don't know who started pronouncing SQL as sequel, and for the first couple of times I heard it, it made me laugh. But after a few years, it makes me think somebody doesn't know what he's talking about. SQL stands for Structured Query Language. Sequels are in movie franchises. I really can't find any relation of sequels to databases. It really makes my hair stand on on my hair stand on my back on, a, on when a new job agent asks me if I have any experience with my sequel. And I always reply, no, but I have in my SQL. I feel I should reply anyway. No, how many sequels do you have? Uh, I'm wondering if there's any more widespread mis- mispronunciations like that in Linux. By the way, 133 ep- episodes listened through. Please keep them coming. Wow. Wait till he hears my OS X10 rant. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was in a job interview and the dude asked me if I had SQL support, I would not correct him and say I have SQL support. And I'm a fairly pedantic f- kind of guy. But I think there are times when you leave that at home and in the job interview office might be one of those. So, Merrick, uh, hats off to you for that one, I suppose. I'm not well, really sure what the proper way to thing to say to that. Is. No, I think that kind of depends on personality, because if you do that right, you come off as sounding intelligent that, you know, there is a distinction and that you're somewhat passionate about it because you care enough to make that distinction known. But if the personality isn't right, then it's just another get out of here. You've lost me. This interview's over. So, you know, uh, I don't I, agree. I think either way you come off sounding like a jerk. Yeah. Well, well and the, it depends on how well you have a good, if you have a great repertoire with the, uh, with the interviewer, like maybe you know him outside of work, then it, yeah, I would say you could probably get away with it. But 
I Wouldn't that don't be know report? if I would do I'm it. I'm sorry. Yes. It yes. just seemed like the Thank you for that not purpose. letting that go. Thank you. I did that on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Now, Chris Chris is the king of the malapropism. Huh. He he frequently says that which he does not mean and means that which he does not say. Um, <laughs> but um, I first heard SQL referred to as SQL the same time I first heard of SQL. I mean, it's been around a very long time. Yeah. Um, I would agree. And it's with just, that. it's easier to say SQL than SQL. Or, uh, you know, do you refer. I I just I have no comment on that. It's it's an industry standard thing um that is widely accepted and it's not just MySQL, it's Microsoft SQL, it's it's Postgres SQL. People even say that even though that's not it. It's PostgreSQL. But people say Postgres SQL um, or non-SQLs. Yeah. You know. So, you know, maybe that's like me ranting against the keyboard. It's <laughs> get get over it mark get over it merrick uh maybe that's that's the internet's way of telling both of us it's time to just shut up um <laughs> i don't know uh. so i mean have you guys ever not heard somebody call it sequel i mean have you ever met somebody who only says sql both of them sound familiar to me so i can't Say, I remember when I met Joe and he wouldn't say anything but SQL the whole time I talked to him. But, you know, I actually took us, um, an Oracle database class and we were in and there was no big rant made about this is SQL when the first person who says SQL gets kicked out of class. So there was none of that. So I don't really think the industry cares. Um, at least it hasn't been made known to me that the industry cares. Um, and again, not that I'm some, uh, you know, super bulwark of technology. Yeah. Mm. I don't, yeah, I, I'm racking my brain to see if I can think of anybody, but I know everyone I know either. I know a couple people that have, you know, that are database guys who definitely say, uh, my SQL, but when you refer to it as my SQL, they don't, you know, jump out of their skin. So. Uh, no, I don't think, I think those that care are the ones that do the MySQL and the ones that don't care just kind of roll with it. Now, to, to answer your question there that you ended with, uh, are there other mispronunci- mispronunciations like that? Um, uh, <laughs> you don't have to go any further than Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Ubuntu yep. to, to find one of those. Or even Linux, for that matter. Um, yeah, Linux. I, don't, I guess some people call it that. GNU slash Linux. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> the whole industry There's mispronounces that way. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, yeah, I think it's, it's. I think it's well rounded everywhere that there's people who mispronounce everything. Now, and, I try to be. If there is one way to say it, I try to say it that one way. For example, Ubuntu. There is a correct way to say it. All three groups of O's have the same sound. It's not Ubuntu, where each one has its own separate sound. They're all the same, Ubuntu. So I try to be correct about that, but it never even occurred to me that people would be bothered by my sequel. That, that, honestly, Merrick, you caught me off guard with that. Um, because, but even then, you go back and you look at their page, and they say, we don't mind. So they're even saying that it's not a big deal. Um, but now now that you've called me on the carpet, 
I'll probably go back to saying MySQL all the time. And I, I wonder if Sorry. the whole uh, new slash GNU uh, is out no. there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's yeah. GNOME versus GNOME. Yeah, I hear right. that all the time. Um, and you know, if if it is GNU, then it probably should be GNOME. Uh, but I say GNOME and GNU. So you know, I, maybe I'm inconsistent in my own pronunciations. I'm gonna have to get my knife out. <laughs> Really- <laughs> oh, personally man. i don't care as long as i know what you're talking about you could call it a dilly dang doing and i wouldn't mind <laughs> so i have a five-year-old and you know we're in the process of well, language has been acquired now we're in the process of refining that and just this morning we had the conversation about make versus made bake versus baked and take versus took how do you explain to a five-year-old why taked is not correct when baked is? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to in the English language. Yes. Just find one of those jokes about, you know, the deer, deer, you know, desert, dessert kind of thing and just start, you know, make them read those every day. <laughs> or go with hooked on phonics and give up. <laughs> Uh, hooked on phonetics worked for me uh but you know there there are weirdnesses in language uh and then when you get into this global community of people who don't speak the same language natively making up new words then you get a real mess yeah well and well you know and then when you throw in idioms on top of it yeah you know somebody who knows the language but doesn't understand the idioms you know throwing in the towel means quit you know, you've got to, you've got to know boxing to know that. And that just gets a whole, I don't know why we got on this topic. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so who's saying in the chat room, uh, this made me laugh. He says, I bet Merrick has a beard because he sounds like a typical Linux nerd. <laughs> hey, I have a beard. I have a beard and I'm a Linux nerd. So back off whatever. the beard. <laughs> I don't shave on the weekend. So I, I have what looks like a dirty face. Um, okay so uh that uh that that's i don't have anything to follow up on that merrick your your complaint has been duly registered i will contact the president of the internet and uh let him (laughs) let him go let him know uh thanks for listening to 133 episodes really when you get that far back it's probably time to stop anyway just yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah hopefully you didn't start with one i mean if you did oh. i don't know how you made it to two uh, i'm sorry yeah really, any of them that, in the single digits i don't know uh i would say double, up to 15 were pretty rough maybe the double digit ones oh okay so uh now let's do an ad um we'll come back to that one in a second seth um if you want to learn the proper way to pronounce things, maybe Linux Academy is for you. I'm trying something here. Oh, here's a better one. If you don't know what all this SQL kerfuffle is about, and you don't know what MySQL even is, the LinuxAcademy.com is the place for you, because that's where you can learn all the uh, the ins and outs of being a Linux administrator. Their goal is to take you from being a noob like uh, I believe it was Chad referred to himself, um, 
Uh, and take you to be an administrator, a good old-fashioned nutbeard like Merrick. If you want to go from point A to point B, the Linux Academy will take you there. Uh, how do they do that? They do that by the by the form of, you know, it started out as videos. It's so much more than videos now. Um, they They have... Now over 200 step-by-step video courses taught by industry professionals, uh, not just teachers, not just people who are putting together content, but actual people in the who, who do this stuff for a living and are making these videos. Real professionals, their content has been certified by both EI, uh, IA, or CompTIA, rather, and uh, the Linux uh, Professional Institute. Uh, as being uh, top quality content. Uh, and you, you go there and you start with a module. You pick what you want to learn. And it's all broken down into to these modules. And you'll say, start with the the history of desktop Linux module, for example. Um, and then you uh, you go there and you um, uh, start listening, uh, watching your way through the videos. Not only do you have the videos, but you also have the uh, uh, PDF study guides that go with them. You have the quizzes uh, that go with them. You have the practice tests at the end of it. And you go through this, the end of this module, and everything is clearly laid out. It tells you this is what you can expect to learn. This is approximately how much time it's going to take you to do it. These are the tests that you're going to need to be do, uh, uh, need to do at the end. And when you do all that, you now you know that stuff because you've been taught it uh, well by uh, by high class professionals. They now have all kinds of courses uh, from everything uh, from you know desktop Linux to command line Linux to setting up uh, servers. They now have this thing the, uh, these lab features. It's a it's a additional price, and we'll talk pricing in a minute. But there's this extra set of classes where. You have multiple virtual servers. Did I mention you have servers? Yes. You have servers that come along with this, not just the videos, not just the PDF study guides, but you can actually do this while you're watching the video. You can pause it. You can experiment right there with this lab that they provide up to eight uh, servers that you can choose from. They they install, they reboot instantly. They're on Amazon's cloud services, so they're super fast. And if you hose it, no big deal. You delete it and you start over again. But with these new uh, labs that they have set up, you get more than one of those. So you can set up, for example, a client server setup, and you can set up a MySQL uh, Apache LAMP stack um, on one and then access it on another, all in your own little private in, uh, area there. It's secure. Nobody's going to uh, mess with you, uh, and you can experiment with that. But once you you gotta you got to get inside to do all that. And once you get inside, you're going to find that there's not just the videos. They're not just the classes. There's not just the... the um, um, the quizzes, but there's also this thriving community inside the walls of the Linux Academy. Um, and the, the instructors are part of that community. There's forums there where they go back and forth with the students. You ask them a question, they'll give you an answer. You make a suggestion. Boom, there's a new video on it. All this amazing stuff. And it's only going to cost you a dollar to get started. That's it. 14 days trial for a dollar. You walk in, you look around, you say, is this the place for me? Uh, and in that time, you can download videos, you can look at PDF study guides, you can play with the virtual service for a buck. And when you're done and you're sure you like it, and I know you're going to, really, let's just skip the trial because it's a waste of a dollar. Let's go straight to the uh, the monthly uh, sign-up. You want to sign up for one month only, you're not a commitment kind of guy, not ready to put a ring on it just yet, 25 bucks. You can go month to month for $25. But if you want to buy in bulk like anything else, the more you buy, the more you save. If you buy annually, that price goes down to $19 a month. $19 a month if you buy a year at a time. 
for some of the best learning on the internet. Not just me saying that now, that's CompTIA saying that as well. Some of the best content on the internet can be had for 19 bucks a month. When you get there, when you sign up, and I know you're going to, so just just do it. Use the code Everyday Linux in the referral box. Let them know that you heard about it here. LinuxAcademy.com. No, that's awesome, Mark. I went um, looking, of course, I, like I always do. I wait till you start the ad, and it's um, it's getting harder and harder to find prices. People are saying, you know, fill out this information and give us your email address, and we'll get back to you. But here's one for a Linux Plus course for $89. So for 90 days, you have $89. Um, this will get you uh, comparable up to a Linux Plus. And again, I'm not going to give out the name. So, you know, that's uh, 90 days. That's three months, $30 a month. Not bad. We're getting down close to Linux Academy prices. But again, that's just for Linux Plus. Uh, Linux Academy gives you that plus so much more. There you go. Yeah. Uh, a listener in the chat room said, does, uh, does the Linux Academy pay you guys for five minutes? Actually, they pay us for 30 seconds, but I like them that much. So that's why you get a, a five minute ad. Sorry. There's just, <laughs> there's too much to talk about. You can't do it all in 30 seconds. Yeah. And plus they get my money back. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Merritt could have grown a beard during that ad. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so linuxacademy.com, we believe in them. That's why I give them so much airtime, not because, uh, trust me, my rates are cheap. Uh, they're not throwing money at me left and right, but I be- really believe in them. They, their course values are the same as mine, and that's why I'm so bullish on them. It's, they're not just a sponsor. Seth is a member. Seth pays their money, uh, pays his money to them, and Seth doesn't pay for anything. Nope, uh, not really. So- Anyway, uh, not if you can't buy it at a pawn shop, I probably I probably won't buy it. Um. Okay, so uh, that's that's it. Uh, we're now more than an hour into the show, um, and we haven't even hit the news section. But we want to go back to uh, a follow up from last week. Uh, now that your 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 web browser can find Easter eggs for you, you don't even have to go find them anymore. Yeah, we talked, um, uh, when we talked about Easter eggs, you know, for our Easter extravaganza, um, there is now a plugin. If you're a Chrome user, you can get an extension that will automatically test any website you go to for the Konami code surprises. And for those of you who didn't grow up with a Nintendo playing Contra, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, and if you're two player, select start, um, you know, to get you your 30 lives <laughs> of goodness. Um, that's what me and my brother, we used to play Contra. Yeah, and, Contra. Uh, you know, and, you know, uh, we would, we'd get the shotgun going and then we'd get the other shotgun going and we would just full, and to make it interesting, we'd say, okay, full speed all the way. You can't stop. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So now you can get this plugin for Chrome and you will have, it will automatically test because, you know, a lot of websites do this. They'll put little things on there just because, you know, geeks, lots of geeks work in the Internet. Go figure. And uh, we like to do things for other geeks that we enjoy. So there you go. Just wanted to share. All right. A follow-up on a follow-up from a follow-up. Um, so, guys, editorial decision here. We're really long. Seth, pick two. Oh dear. Oh no, don't don't tell me. Hold on. 
<laughs> okay. I'm going to read one, them, huh? and then you pick two. And I'm going to go with the Raspberry Pi one. Since this has been a pie-heavy show, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a new pie on the market, kind of. Uh, it's a group uh, releasing a board called the Banana Pie. Um, and I've, I've looked into it, uh, there, well, Seth, you had this there, so I'll let you go before I say anything. Okay. No. Yeah. I was just, um, and that's one of the main reasons I put it in there is just because, you know, there's a lot of these boards that are out on the market. You know, the pie's been out for a while now, so the specs are maybe not quite, you know, while they're still not bad for such a small device, you can now get more. I mean, you're paying a little bit more, but, um, you get you get better specs and i can't find them in the article but you you pay a little bit more money and you get the banana pie which yeah, isn't build it's not like the same company that did the raspberry pi is releasing their sequel to it um this is kind of a competing company who came out you know later time so you're getting the same thing but just a little bit more power yeah, so it's a one gigahertz uh, dual core Cortex A7 uh, processor uh, instead of the Raspberry Pi's 700 megahertz ARM 11 processor. Right. Um, it's got a more powerful uh, GPU. Uh, it's got a gig of RAM. Uh, it's got a, a gigabit Ethernet card. The Pi is only 100 meg. It's got a SATA port uh, and a micro USB port. So, uh, you know, there's a, there are other people in this space right now. Um, I, I I don't think they have optimized their chip. It, it seems to me, and this is just my opinion, that they have gone so overboard with throwing stuff on it. They haven't been as careful to optimize as the Pi guys have. The the Pi has the components it does because they work really well together, and that's how you're able to get really stellar performance out of a mediocre processor. Right. Um, right. Is because they've, they've really highly customized not just the code that's in it, but the layout of the chips. And they picked this particular chip of the brand and this particular chip. So, uh, the, the banana, banana pie is out there. We'll see what happens. Um, interestingly enough, they didn't make it compatible with Raspberry Pi cases. So mm. you'll have to have a whole new case, uh, to do it. Uh, it does have some buttons on it. Um, where the Raspberry Pi doesn't have any buttons, it's got a reset button and a power button. Um, it's got uh, uh, a camera connector on it where you can uh, hook up a, a webcam um, or a security camera. Uh, so there you go. There's uh, the banana pie. It's a thing. Yeah. Uh, sticking with the pie theme, uh, we'll go with, uh, is that a pie on your face? <laughs> okay. So how about, uh, we've heard of the iPhone. How about the pie phone? What? Yes, this man used a Raspberry Pi and built an actual working cell phone. He ended up spending a total of $158 because he had to buy the, uh, he bought a touchscreen for it, a wireless module. He bought a SIM card. So, you know, he's not, he's not hacking into the phone system. He bought a SIM card for it and a battery. And, you know, it doesn't have a heat sink. So it would probably get hot if you used it a lot, but. (laughs) He actually built, uh, he's done a lot of things. Um, he's like a tinkerer of some small fame on the internet. Like one of the things he built was a bark activated door opener for his dog. Um, but you know, you can follow the link in the show notes here and he actually used it to make a working phone call. Uh, 
just thought it was pretty neat. You know, Raspberry Pi can now be, uh, can now, um, be used to make phones, make phone calls. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't, and here's a practical use. You don't want to necessarily maybe have it for something on your face, but like if you were going to have security set up at your house, you know, if you wanted to monitor security cameras, you could like maybe set this up, um, to, uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say now, <laughs> you know, where this can be your, instead of being going over your Wi-Fi and your landline, this could go over cellular network and you could like maybe figure out some way to call into this and then be able to see the security feed from your camera. So that might be use for it. But anyway, it was kind of neat and novel and I thought it would go well with the uh, pie heavy nature of the show. Yeah. So it's no data. It's, it's a point old phone you can't text on it you can just make calls and it's held together with rubber bands and plastic wire ties Um, and it's all it's so ugly it's cute it's like a sharpie puppy it's so such a hideous train wreck it's actually kind of cool um and i don't know that it would actually be useful to anybody but there you go you plug in a, a headset and and you got a pi phone yeah i thought it was a i thought it was kind of neat so yeah, just just kind of cool, and the the tinkering nature that really kind of Linux evolved from is, you know, in a lot of ways, at least you would the term would be a spiritual successor to that can be found in the hobbyist market typified by the Raspberry Pi. All right, so the next thing moving off of the Pies, Apple and Samsung have been going round and round uh, in courts here and there, and now they have a case where they both lost, but they both won. So it's okay. Right. You know, Apple was basically suing Samsung for something another, it was like a $2.2 billion, um, for Samsung infringing upon their patents and they listed patents. You know, basically the patent, um, patent number four, we think you're too stupid to note this isn't a real patent. Patent <laughs> number six, anybody with the brain can see this isn't a valid patent. And patent number 12, hey, we've got a lot of lawyers and we're paying them anyway, I think are the actual names of them. Um, and that was editorial comment, not meant to be factual. Um, <laughs> sorry. But so the jury said. Merrick, don't write in and correct Seth. Addy, he wasn't attacking you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, I do my stick. Uh, just because, you know, we got to have fun on this show and you got to have fun in life or otherwise what's the point? So the, um, the court, the jury found, um, that yes, Samsung infringed on like one of Apple's patents and, um, said, okay, you owe like 120 million, just a little under the 2.2 billion you're asking for. And Apple, you infringed on one of Samsung patents. You owe them a couple of hundred thousand less than a million they were asking for. So, you know, way to go, uh, lawyers and juries and companies and just uncommon sense not having people. It's, um, it's like a cashback rebate that you get from the credit card, right? Right. 10% cash back. Apple or Samsung got 10% cash back. Uh, from the jury, they uh, they have to pay 120 million, but they got uh, you know 158 thousand back. So it's a it was like eight percent there. There they got yeah. they got eight percent cash back because they use their lawsuits at the gas station. Very yeah. cool. So uh, you know it's one of those. It's like you know 
Apple, and th- this is one of the reasons I don't, you know, I don't like patent trolls in general because I think they're really doing more to try to harm innovation and the actual consumer. But when companies like Apple get hit by patent trolls, I'm kind of happy because Apple's one of the biggest patent trolls there are in my, you know, uh, editorialized opinion. Uh, I just, <laughs> can't we all get along? <laughs> No. Apparently, no. This, yeah, apparently Have not. you heard of the internet? The internet is a place of cats and people who don't get along. Right. And are full of trolls. <laughs> there must be a lot of bridges on the internet. <laughs> Every router be. hop, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, bridges have been replaced by, like, routers and switches, I think. I had a piece of equipment that was called a browter. Yes. Because it was a bridge slash router, and they referred to it as a browter. And it made me want to have brunch every time I read it, the, the manual. Man, I had to, uh, I believe that was still part of the net plus exam whenever I took it back in the day. So I've, I've had that certification for a while. I just quick doesn't have anything to do with anything. So it fits right in with the show. I went on a job interview. You know, I've got a lot of years of experience as a network administrator. I go into this job interview and one of the questions they ask is what are the what is the OSI model and what are the layers? I almost got up and left the interview. Like if you really think that me being able to answer that question is important to do this job, it's not a job I want. Um I you know, I've I've done this stuff for years. I've run thousands of nodes on a single network and you're concerned with whether I can answer a 7th grade computer science question. <laughs> Yeah. It's like another friend of mine recently, after teaching 20 plus years, went to get another job. And one of the things they asked for was her, her college transcript. Who cares? It was 20 years ago. Yeah, no Do kidding. Do I really need to show you my transcript? Anyway. Yeah, I think it would be funny, like, if I went into an interview today to go dig out my kindergarten report card and they, if they ask for my college transcript just hand that to them as well and says um you know i've been out of college a while but if you want that here's my kindergarten report card too uh, yeah that might be funny okay uh today in history yes. may 3rd 1978 bad things happened the first unsolicited bulk commercial email, which would later be dumb, known as spam, is sent by a digital equipment corporation marketing representative to every ARPNET address on the west coast of the United States. And the rest of the story is they made a freaking boatload of money from people who showed up to the open house and bought the system. And that is why spam exists today. Don't it open works. unsolicited email, people. No um, kidding. Yeah, they made, they, you know, the internet, well, the ARPNET, because it wasn't the internet then, was very mad at DEC for doing that. But DEC was like, we made millions. Be mad all you want. <laughs> we'll do it again. <laughs> and other companies said, hey, if they did that, you know, some part of my, why didn't you do that? Why did you let them beat us to this? We lost sales because they blah, blah, blah. And thus the, uh, thus spam was born. Uh, yeah, I, I email and and postal mail also. The the concept of mail is broken in the in that it puts the onus on the receiver to do all the work. Yeah. Um the the sender just fires it off 
You know, it's like, uh, you know, the, the kid who, uh, a hoax email said he wanted business cards and now he dumps a dumpster full of business cards every week because people keep sending them to him. The, the, the concept of mail, it's not just email <laughs> is fundamentally broken in that all the work has to be done by the receiver to sort out what's good and bad and decide what they don't want and reach out and say, don't send me this anymore. Um, it's, it's fundamentally broken. And we knew this, well, obviously we knew this back in the snail mail days, but you know, deck showed us this in 1978. Hey, this system is screwed up because this crap can be delivered to me and there's nothing I can do about it. And nobody thought to fix that. But at least with regular postal mail, it cost you money to send. So yeah. you were taking a risk that I'm going to spend X amount of money. Now, you know, and of course with email, email accounts are free. And, you know, so it doesn't cost you anything to send. And I, I don't want to see paid email. I don't want to see a, every email you send is going to cost you a penny kind of thing. But, you know, so at least with the old snail mail, you had to pay money to send it. It might, granted, it yeah. wasn't a lot. You could get bulk rates and all that kind of stuff, but it did cost money. So that was something that would keep some of it at bay. Uh, you know, it's it's still spam. Yeah, yeah. we've we, we digitized a broken model. Is the way I look at it. Um, and now, I mean, whole companies have have uh, begun and and lived out and died around the concept of filtering mail yeah. um, because anybody can send anything and 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 they can send it as you right i i must have explained that a thousand times to somebody this this person said i sent them email no they said they got an email with your name on it it's like if i write an email and put your return address on it, or a physical mail put your return address on it and drop it in the mailbox you can't stop that um and there's nothing illegal about it. It's just it just is what it is. So we took a broken system and and digitized it and made it a billion times more efficient. Yay! <laughs> yeah, efi- more efficient isn't more better always. <laughs> more better. <laughs> yeah. Where are Yo. you going? I don't know, but we're making great time now. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what would replace it. Um, you know, maybe. I don't know. How, how do you fix that model? Some Somebody's going to have to come up with something. Somebody smarter than I am. That's not hard to be smarter than I am. Uh, but somebody's going to have to come up with a better system. I mean, even the telephone, it's the same thing, right? Anybody yeah. can call me at any time. So the way we fix that is unlisted numbers. Well, it's almost impossible to have an unlisted email address. Try it. See how long it takes for some somebody to find you. Um, all it takes is for your aunt to hit reply all. On a chain link message. Or not even yep. reply all, just for your aunt's account to get hacked. Yeah. And they, you know, harvest that email. So, or, um, yeah, or a malware bot who, uh, gets into the machine and then carbon copies the, the address book out. So, so it's, it's a thing. You know, <laughs> and it's been a thing for a long time. Facebook kind of tried that because if you sent a message to someone you don't know, it shows up in their other box. And for the longest time, you couldn't see the other on the mobile side. So I, I sent you a message. You're like, no, you didn't. I didn't get it. You know, and uh, there's a lot of the trading post groups, which is like Facebook's attempt to kill Craigslist, um, where you would say, I messaged you. And they're like, I didn't get your message. They're like, check your other folder. And like, how do you do that on mobile? Um, so, you know, Facebook tried something that was pretty much everybody thought, this is kind of gross. I really hate this other notion. Um, yeah. And you could pay 
them. I don't remember how much it was, but you could pay to automatically go in somebody's regular inbox in Facebook rather than other. It was one of their attempts to monetize and don't really know how successful it was because I, I don't give them any money. They make money off of me. Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> Quick aside, somebody out there tell me how to enter a tab on any Android keyboard. Thank you. That's a good question. <laughs> as far as I know, you can't do it. Uh, I, I periodically have to telnet into something from my Android device. And one of the common keyboard shortcuts is type the first couple letters and hit tab, and it'll fill in. There is no tab on an Android keyboard. Somebody tell me how to do that. I'm going to have to look at my transformer when I get home and see if there's a tab on it. I'm curious. I don't, I don't remember. All right. So now let's move on to the um, tips of the, the dev slash random that is now being called. Chris actually has two of them. I He's do. He's making up for lost time. I am a little bit. Um, this My first one came out of, um, I noticed in my Google Plus feed, this thing coming out, and I didn't know that Google was doing this, but did you guys know that Google has a web developing platform that you can download and use, kind of like Dreamweaver? It actually runs on Linux now, at least some versions. Yeah. That's why, that's why I, it came across my, my Google Plus feed and I was like, ooh, something new to play with. And it's, it's pretty much all based in internet or HTML5 language. So here's something that's free to download and you can play with HTML5 without having to go and buy a professional tool. Cool. Yeah, I did kinda, not know this existed until this very moment. I didn't either. It, like I said, it popped into my Google Plus. Because y'all don't and, read the show notes. It was a news story <laughs> that got cut a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I feel so unappreciated. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, but that was before it became Linux available, right? No, that was why it was going to be in is because no. it, it was. But we ended up cutting it, it because the shows tend to run long occasionally or some something like that. But anyway, yeah, I may have stolen some Seth Thunder, but that's all right. Um, I've actually played with it a little bit, and I am woefully inexperienced with HTML5. I, I actually feel like a, 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 I'm back in school and that I have no idea what this tool does when I opened it up. Um, it's There's a lot in that. There's a lot of stuff in HTML5 that I'm now going to have to relearn just to play with this silly tool. So do do you need code or you know cuz one of the the dreams of everything is to to make it quick happy and dreamweaver says they're like that but actually do anything you have to know the code. Yeah, so that's kind of the way it is it's with both. this. It's both. I think it's going to end up being both cuz you have the design view where you can draw things in but then it also has you has the code view so if you know the codes you can go in and tinker with the code itself. Um so it it's something for me to play with when I'm not busy. Whenever that's going to be. <laughs> All right. And your next link is even more internet related. Well, it, it kind of. Um, I'm a big fan of nachos. Uh, and it's one of those, my little crutch foods. Whenever I want to go have something that I know is absolutely the worst thing for me, I'll go have a thing of super nachos or just chips and cheese for that matter. So this came across one of my lists as well for Irish nachos. Wait, wait, so you have like a Google search on for nachos? Maybe. Does that make <laughs> me a bad person? <laughs> but uh no, no judgment here. Okay. 
But this one is Irish nachos, which would be instead of potato chips, they are actual potatoes. So you have slips, er, slices of potatoes covered with melted cheese, sour cream, bacon, and yumminess. So, um, it's going to be on my list of things that I cook probably within the next week or two because I have a hankering for nachos. And now I have something that I can experiment with and play with. So I'll have to let you guys all know how it comes out when I make it. But they just look really, really good. It, it just looks to me like cheese fries. It doesn't look all that special to me. But no, Mark, he, the fact is he's doing it with like a bash script that's scouring the internet <laughs> or something. <laughs> you download the internet every night and search for the word bacon and the word nachos, right? Yeah. If not, sure. somebody's going to. I know that. Yeah, now that it's been said. So let it be written, so let it be done. No kidding. Uh, um, that actually sounds like a great idea. <laughs> you remember Alta Vista back in the day had uh-huh. the goal of indexing the entire internet every 24 hours. Um, now I think the internet is growing at a rate like every 24 hours it's bigger than it was in those days. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a a display where somebody had cached the entire internet from like the 90s and they set up these different monitors and it would show every web page and it the monitors would re- would refresh every half second and so it was just like random boom 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 and that that was the that was the exhibit is that you had these different screens around this pole and they would uh and you know and it was only like a couple of terabytes back then so you now you could handle that on a couple of flash drives. Yeah. Okay, we're we're way long, but I still have to tell another story. I was in a, a, a tech directors meeting for the state of Texas. It was a um, sort of a high level thing, and this lawyer there was talking, and uh, he was relating some story about how uh, the judge had compelled his client to. Uh, present all the documents related to a certain thing and it was over uh, 60 terabytes of data and he waited for some response to that and all of us tech directors in the room just kind of looked at him like and and he said so could you put 60 terabytes of data today on something and like yeah couple dozen hard drives problem solved and he was like, well, back then, it would have been impossible to fit that much on a 747 jumbo jet. Um, uh, so it was a big deal then. <laughs> and so it just made me it just made me laugh. You know, you were talking about how the whole internet was a couple of terabytes. I've got that much in videos. Um, you right. Know, it's, you know, the, the web is growing, but is it growing in any way that we care about? How much of that is cat videos? Um and keeping up the food thing of Dev Random, Seth has. Yes. Um, I came across these guys, um, and all I can say is, you know, they might be guests on the show one day. <laughs> Dudefoods.com. Um, basically, this guy just talks about different food he makes. And um, you can go to April the 14th of 2014, where he talks about the bee. And he says, it's no secret the best part of the BLT is the bacon. In fact, I'd wager to say that most people couldn't care less about the lettuce or tomato. Yeah. That's why 
while making a BLT for myself one night recently, I decided to skip the lettuce and tomato altogether and just stick with the bacon part of it. An entire pound of bacon, that is, <laughs> that's coupled with some toasted wheat bread and some deliciously fattening Hellman's mayonnaise, and my sandwich is complete. Yum. I know I know what you're thinking, that the sandwich was probably too dry since all it consisted of was bacon, right? Well, your assumptions are incorrect. I realize that if you just use the decent brand of bacon uh, and slather enough mayonnaise on there, your sandwich has no chance of drying out. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the B. Uh, so I would eat that. Dude, I would so eat that. And if, if you could hold the mayonnaise and the bread for that matter. Yeah. Uh, look at the chicken pot pie cone. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a chicken pot pie shaped like an ice cream cone. Yeah, the most recent one has of right now are deep fried peeps stuffed chocolate eggs. I mean, who would not want to try that? <laughs> uh, me. No. That doesn't sound good at all to me. No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds like something I would want to try at Easter. Um, but yeah, so dudefoods.com. Uh, link will be in the show notes. I posted in the chat room for our, uh, we had a lively chat room tonight. So. Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, okay, that what I can't think of a better way to end the show than on a pound of bacon with mayonnaise. <laughs> I I could I could picture myself taking a strip of bacon, dipping it in mayonnaise like dip, and just eating it as a snack. Actually, you, I may go do that now, right after the show, because that sounds amazing. You guys know what? This is a horrible <laughs> ending of a show because I haven't ate dinner yet, and I am just now starving with all the food stuff that we just went through easter dinner idea wrap your ham in a bacon weed <laughs> just saying i hate you both <laughs> what is it the, the turducka bacon that i think we had on the show one yeah. time yeah all right uh, enough of this weirdness if you want more weirdness come back next week because i promise there'll be more weirdness but next week there'll be weirdness with a linux expert so uh, uh, double the linux at least in next week's show. Yes, we'll be an actual Linux podcast. Uh, we'll get our yearly quota out of the way next week. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would like to be a part of the show, as this one, we didn't call it this, but this was a listener feedback show, totally. Uh, we just didn't call it that because of the date of the show. If you would like to be included on our next show, uh, you can do that by going to elementop.com. Click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. That will send me an email. Uh, or you can uh, email directly. Uh, go to edl at elementop.com send an email there that goes to all three of us so if you don't want me filtering your message you want to make sure the other two guys see it too that's the way to do it if you want to leave us a voicemail you can do that google voice until they cancel that service too you can call 559-IMOP anywhere in the uh, North American continent, uh, and uh, that is that will leave us a, a message, and we'll play it on the show. Or if you're too lazy to even dial the phone, go to our website, elementop.com, click the Leave Us a Voicemail button, and Google Voice will call you um, in case your dialer is broken or you're using a Pi phone. Um, uh, you can do those are all good ways to contact us also don't forget to check out our forum there uh, all sorts of good stuff there there's a bacon forum where I'm sure Seth will be posting a link to the B uh, probably as we speak uh, and uh, of course there's our bad movie forum where you can find all sorts of awesome things like um, Super Cyclone and Sharknado and uh, <laughs> that starring Sandra, Bo uh, Sandra Bullock who used the word modem 
I loved it. Um, <laughs> or the Net 2.0, which oh, is I that didn't a thing? realize existed. I didn't know. I didn't realize that existed until the other day when I was looking for bad movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not hard to find bad movies. But they're out there. Um, I would say that's probably 50 bad movies made to every one good movie. And some of them have high bu- have big budgets and are Oscar winners. You know, and with Rick's comment where he used the word tectastrophe, I firmly expect an Asylum movie is currently wrapping <laughs> production after having heard that on our podcast. Well, just for the record, I use the word tectastrophe. Oh, okay. Um, in, in, well, in headline uh, editing. That might be, you know, Sharknado 3, tectastrophe. <laughs> uh, the chat room is still trying to figure out ways to send me ta- uh, send tab on an Android phone. I have, they have latched on to that, and they're not going to let it go. Through the bacon and the mayo, they're still trying to figure out how to send tab. Awesome. Um, mm. So that's it, show, folks. That's it, folks. That's the foal. Wait, that's it, folks. That's the show. Uh, thanks for being with us. Seth, Chris, thanks, as always, for uh, your um, crap that you bring to the show. <laughs> Chat room, as always, it's been a blast. And for now, I'm going to say that ends this show episode of Everyday Linux. Everyday Linux.